Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, February 3rd, 2020, from the Beantown, USA studio. Beantown, USA is Boston's home for customized screen printing and embroidery. Get more information on their website, beantownusa.com. Today's show is presented by DraftKings. You can play for free at DraftKings.com or on the DraftKings app by using promo code PIC, P-I-C. That's promo code PIC, P-I-C. Play for free this Saturday in the XFL 20K Play Action Contest. That's right, the XFL. The NFL is over. The Super Bowl's over. I'm going to react to the Super Bowl and the Kansas City Chiefs winning Super Bowl 54. I'll react to that in just a moment. But now that the NFL's over, the XFL begins this Saturday, and you can play for free in the XFL 20K Play Action Contest on DraftKings, $20,000 in total prizes. And uh, I'll be honest with you, this is a DraftKings contest that has never been more wide open. I know some people might be hesitant to jump in to the daily fantasy sports realm. Well, fear not, because nobody has any real insight as to what's going on in the new XFL. So there's never been a DraftKings contest as wide open as this one. And you can play for free. And you could possibly win some big money this Saturday for free. Signing up for this XFL contest by using promo code PIC, P-I-C. Promo code PIC, P-I-C, at DraftKings.com. Welcome to the show. It is truck day. Here in Boston, the Red Sox are packing up the truck and uh, they are heading down to spring training. We have pitches and catches we'll report next week. And uh, we'll be talking about regular season baseball before you know it. The, the only question that we don't have answered is when will Mookie Betts be traded? Not if. Not if. It's not a matter of if. He, Mookie Betts is going to be traded. From everything that we're hearing, all the reports are that he's going to be dealt, uh, we just don't know when. It could happen today. It could happen tomorrow. It could happen in three days. Who knows? But Mookie Betts is going to be traded. We just don't know when. It's not a matter of if. It's a matter of when. So uh, I will close out the show with my thoughts on the Mookie Betts situation, and I'll kind of continue with my thought from last week, which was the Red Sox should try to get creative. They should try to get more creative than just trading bets to the Dodgers for a couple prospects, right? They should try to get more creative. Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies. Make a three-team deal, get creative, make something happen, but I'll close out the show with that. I want to open the show congratulating the Kansas City Chiefs on winning Super Bowl 54 last night on Sunday night in Miami, 31-20 to was the final score. So Kansas City, they win the Super Bowl. Patrick Mahomes is your MVP, though it could have went to Damian Williams. I would have been okay. I would have been okay with Williams. I'm okay with Patrick Mahomes being the MVP. I have no problem with it. I have no problem with it. I know people on social media were up in arms about it because they thought it should have went to Williams. But I mean... When, when you lead a fourth-quarter comeback the way Patrick Mahomes did in the Super Bowl, and you also threw two touchdown passes and ran another touchdown in earlier in the game, I mean, that, that's MVP-worthy. I know that Mahomes didn't have his best game, but when the game was on the line, Patrick Mahomes was dropping dimes 
last night. That pass to Watkins with Richard Sherman on him, and even had Sherman had help over the top from a safety, and there was only one small place to put that 40-yard pass, and Mahomes put it there. I, I have no problem with Mahomes getting the MVP. I don't know why people are worked up about that. Damian Williams had a great game, and his, you know, his touchdown at the very end, the final score of the game, when Kansas City was just trying to run the clock out, and, and Williams busted open down the middle, down the left side, you know, that, that, that padded his stats a little bit. Uh, I'm not trying to take anything away from the kid. I just, I don't understand why people would be so frustrated or upset that Patrick Mahomes got the MVP. I mean, <laughs> you need a quarterback to make those plays, to, to, to get the comeback started. And that's what Patrick Mahomes did. So uh, I, I, I think that today you should be, we should be crediting Mahomes, crediting the Chiefs more than we should knock the 49ers for choking. I mean, we're going to knock the 49ers, and I'll, I'll get to that. But I think for the most part, you got to praise Kansas City here uh, for what they were able to do. They trailed 20-10 to 10 midway through the fourth quarter. 20-10 to 10 they trailed. And then they scored 21 unanswered points. The Chiefs are Super Bowl champions. Uh, like I said, Patrick Mahomes, the MVP. Andy Reid gets his first Super Bowl. And uh, I don't know how you could not be happy for the guy, right? I don't know how you, how you, how you could be upset watching Andy Reid celebrate a Super Bowl championship. So a nice moment for him last night. And then, of course, on the other end, Kyle Shanahan now has to sleep with a second Super Bowl in which his team has blown a double-digit lead in the fourth quarter. I know he wasn't the head coach in Atlanta, but he was still in a pretty important role as offensive coordinator of that Falcons team that that lost to the Patriots in that Super Bowl a couple years ago in which the Patriots trailed 28-3. to And so, uh, you know, Shanahan now has been part of two teams <laughs> in, in which they've, they've blown second-half leads, but more specifically have blown double-digit fourth-quarter leads. Not good. So, uh, uh, Kyle Shanahan, it, it's... He, he, he needs a Super Bowl win to shake, the, to shake these off. Will he get it? That's the question. Is Jimmy Garoppolo the guy uh, to, to get it in San Francisco for him? I think there's questions about him now, which, which is ridiculous to me. I mean, Garoppolo still has a lot of time left. Uh, to everybody, I think people, I do think we need to take it easy today with the, with the 49ers hate, um, with the criticism of, of calling them choke artists. Like I, I just, they ran into a chiefs team that had a quarterback that put on a show in the fourth quarter, which again, that show that he put on tells me he, he deserves MVP, but, um, you know, I, I I I look at this game, and I I guess I'll give my takeaways, my top five takeaways, in in some more specifics for you. And those top takeaways start with obviously number one. So my number one takeaway from Super Bowl Fifty Four is that, like I said, I think you have to give the Chiefs credit. More than you can knock the 49ers for choking. 
I, I think that you have to do that. You have to give the Chiefs credit more than you can knock the 49ers for choking. The third and 15 deep pass to Tyreek Hill. That's really how this comeback got started. Tyreek Hill down the left side. He makes a move toward the sideline. He's got a lot of open space there. Emmanuel Mosley jumped the route instead of staying back into that deep third zone, and it gave them some space. It gave Tyreek Hill open space, and Mahomes found him. And that was the third and 15 deep bomb that really got the comeback rolling with about, what was that, with about maybe seven minutes left? I think seven and a half minutes left, I think that pass was made. Third and 15. And and I watched Hasselbeck break this down on SportsCenter last night. And he did a great job. Hasselbeck does a great job breaking down these plays, some of these big plays in these big games. And he broke down that Tyreek Hill pass, that third and 15 deep bomb. And he pointed out, and I would have never known this. I didn't know what was going on, but I'm so glad he pointed out. Emmanuel Mosley, you know, he, he jumped the route. You know, the guy on the outside decided to cut into the middle, and Mosley kind of jumped it and tried to stay on him, but his responsibility was really staying back in that 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 deep third. Um and and he he didn't do it. And that had all that open space for Tyree Kill and Patrick Mahomes had some extra time. But <laughs> you know, if you do watch the replay of this, and I didn't see this live, but I saw people tweeting about it after. And the people tweeting about it a hundred percent correct. There should have been a holding call. Now I have a tough time going through every play in the NFL saying, you know, there should have been a call here, there should have been a call there, especially when it comes to holding. Like, you could convince me that there should be holding calls almost every play in the NFL, right? So you kind of have to pick your spots. You you try to call the blatant ones. But this was kind of a blatant hold. They held Bosa. He was coming up the middle. He was going to crush Mahomes. And then the offensive lineman just wrapped his arm around Bosa and held him and prevented him from getting to Patrick Mahomes. That should have been a holding call. Which would have pushed him back even further. And then what? Maybe they don't get a first down. I assume at that point, seven minutes left or so, maybe they go for it. Um, But let's say they don't get anything. San Fran gets the ball and it's 2010. And they don't get the comeback started. If they call holding there which it was a blatant hold, then maybe the 49ers are Super Bowl champs today, but they did not make the call. Mahomes had a couple extra seconds, and he was able to find open space for Tyree Kill, and uh, that third and 15 deep pass, that really got the comeback started. And then you get the touchdown, you cut the lead to 2017. That pass to Sammy Watkins, I told you, an absolute dime when they're down 2017. See, so they get the touchdown after the third and 15 to Tyreek Hill. They get the third and 15 to Tyreek Hill, gets the comeback started. They get a touchdown. Uh, what was that? The Kelsey touchdown. And you cut the lead to 2017. San Fran goes three and out. That's a big three and out there. You know, you're throwing the ball on second down. Kind of inconsistent to throw the ball on that second down, in my opinion. Because then, you, you know, then you're definitely throwing on third down. Uh, I, so... You go three and out, you give the ball back to Kansas City, only down three, and this is really the moment where San Francisco 
their defense, they needed to make a stop, and they did. They couldn't. Kansas City drove, but again, I think you need to credit Patrick Mahomes. That pass to Sammy Watkins, Richard Sherman was on him, and there was help over the top. Watkins down the sideline. That was a perfect throw. You can't make a throw any more perfect than that, especially in that moment. All right. It was, what was it, a second and seven or something, and Sammy Watkins made that play, but it was the play was made by, by Mahomes. And uh, that's the type of throw that I tip my cap and go, there's your MVP. That, I mean, that, that throw alone. And it got them down to the 10-yard line, first and goal, which then led to the Damian Williams touchdown pass. Mahomes dumps it off to Williams, and Williams almost didn't extend the arms enough to get in. That was questionable. They had to review that. I still wasn't sure he crossed the line before he stepped out. They ruled it a touchdown. It was too close to overturn, so they had to keep it a touchdown. But, man, just extend the arms a little bit more, Damian. Right? But, hey, they gave him the touchdown. Kansas City takes the lead. They take the lead 24-20. And, you know, it it just, if you're San Francisco, maybe this is my number two takeaway now. Number one was... Credit Kansas City more than you knock San Fran. But number two, when it does come to San Francisco, after the third and 15 bomb to Tyree Kill and then the Kelsey touchdown, which cuts your lead to 2017, San Fran, they lead 2017. Um, What, four minutes left in the game? And you have to make a stop. Like, you have to make that stop. You, you you were known for your defense. I picked San Francisco because of their defense. And they had a great defensive game, really, to that point. You know, to the point of once they let up that third and 15 bomb, that was, you know, that was a mistake. I mean, look, they picked Mahomes off twice. And the second interception, I'm going, this is the game. But it wasn't. But then you had an opportunity to make another big stop, and San Francisco couldn't do it, right? That's what the game came down to. That's what the game came down to. After you go 3-0, and out, you give the ball back to Kansas City quick, it's the defense. All right, make a stop. Make a stop, right? Make a stop. If you had told me this game would be 20-10 to 10, midway through the fourth quarter, I would say, well, San Francisco's defense is having a day, which means that they're not going to lose that game, which means that it is, at that point, up to San Francisco's defense to hold on because the defense is their strength. They're the best de- one of the best defenses in the league, especially the best defense in the playoffs. So that's what it really came down to. Um, when your offense goes three and out, and, and I know people want to criticize Jimmy G, they want to criticize Shanahan for that, for that drive, not being able to get anything done. And, and look, I'm going to get to the San Fran criticism offensively. Um, but 49ers, I mean, they had to play Sherman one-on-one with Watkins, help over the top, and they still couldn't, they still couldn't get it done on that drive. That led to the score that ended up being the game-winning score. The Damian Williams touchdown where he, they had to review it. Uh... You're asking your defense, if you're the 49ers, to make that stop, to prevent them from getting points. I mean, they had a chance to 
bend but don't break and allow just a field goal, which would have tied the game at 20. But you're really asking them, you know, don't even let up that pass to Watkins. Don't even let up that 40-yard pass to or 38-yard pass to Watkins. And Richard Sherman, he let that pass up. He let it up. So, your, your defense couldn't come through for you when your team needed you the most. And that was San Francisco's strength. And if San Francisco's strength is not going to be able to get the job done, going up against a player like Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have a tough time winning that game. Um, so that's number two, is that really on that 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 drive, when, when San Francisco still led 2017, after they go three and out, you're asking their defense to make a stop, they couldn't make it. They couldn't make it. Number three. Uh, I you know as much as I say praise Kansas City, we still will criticize San Francisco. If I'm going to criticize the 49ers for anything, and I know I mentioned the defense, it's again I think that's more praise for Kansas City than it is knocking San Fran's D. I'm just pointing out things that needed to happen for San Fran that were consistent to what they've done, not just throughout the regular season but also throughout the playoffs. But number three is that if you're going to really sit here today and make it a point to criticize the 49ers. Here's how you should do it. You should criticize the 49ers with how they manage the clock in this game, especially at the end of the first half. That was mind-blowing. I couldn't believe it. You know, we here in New England, we experienced something like that in the, in the Miami game in, we, in Week 17. That loss to the Dolphins, that ended up putting the Patriots in the wild card round rather than giving them the, the two seed, making the, the making the Super Bowl champs play in the wild card round. Um, but Shanahan, I do not understand the mindset here. I don't get it. I really don't get it. I don't understand. You And... and it, here's, here was the situation. It's a 10-10 game at the end of the first half. San Francisco knows they're getting the ball to begin the second half. And what you should be thinking there, in a 10-10 game, at the end of the first half, with three timeouts left, knowing you get the ball in the, to begin the second half, you shouldn't be thinking, let's play it safe. No. No, I'm sorry. It's a Super Bowl. You should be thinking, let's go for the double whammy. Let's go for the double whammy. You know, especially a coach is an offensive guy. I could maybe understand it if Shanahan, like, grew up in the game, this big defensive guru, but he's not. He's an offensive guy. So, you know, I want my offensive guy, who's a head coach, to be... I want him to be aggressive in this moment. Let's think double whammy, not how can we prevent Kansas City from getting the football back in this half. No, no, no. no. Double whammy. Put some points up on the board at the end of the first half. It's a 10-10 game. You've played some great defense. Um, This is your game to win right now. This is your game to at least set the tone, not just going into the second half, but also to begin the second half. Not just to end the first half, but to begin the second half. Like the double whammy. And they didn't do it. And I, it was mind-blowing to me. Kansas City had a 4th and 13 at the 50-yard line. With a minute 53 left in the first half. Kansas City at the 50-yard line, 
Fourth and 13. They A one-yard pass. San Francisco had three timeouts. They could have called a timeout and got the ball back at the end of the first half with a minute 45 seconds left and two timeouts. They didn't call a timeout. They, they, instead, they let Kansas City run it down to just under a minute with 59 seconds left. Kansas City punted. And you know what? They, they bailed out San Francisco. There was the, it was the touchback on the punt, but Kansas City blew it. They had a chance. The ball bounced into the end zone. The guy jumped in. He could have threw it out. That was a difficult play to make, but it was still a makeable play at that point, and he just he whiffed on it. They could have downed it at the one. Right? They could have downed that thing at the one, but they bailed him out. San Fran, it was a touchback. They take it at the 20 on the punt, on the touchback on the punt. 59 seconds left. He got two timeouts. First play, they run it. <laughs> they don't call a timeout. They let the clock run down. I Down to like 30 seconds. I couldn't believe it. They run another play. Then Kansas City's like, well, we're going to use a timeout. And then they force San Francisco to throw the ball a couple times. And then you got the, the Kittle pass down the right sideline, which they called offensive pass interference on Kittle. He did extend the arm. But hey, if you're going to call that, you better call the holding in which they're all over Nick Bosa on the third and 15 in the fourth quarter. So they did, they were not consistent with those. Um, But it's just, what San Francisco should have done is, when Kansas City had a fourth and 13, you know, after the one-yard pass on third down that made it fourth and 13, they were going to punt. After the third down play, San Francisco should have called timeout. They still would have had two timeouts left. They would have got the ball back with a minute 45 and two timeouts. That's aggressive football. And it's not even overly aggressive. It's smart football. It's going for something, going for points. At least try to go down and kick a field goal. But you had enough time, two timeouts and a minute 45 left. You have enough time to go down and get a touchdown. Shanahan's reasoning for not doing that after the game was that he didn't want to see, knowing that Kansas City had three timeouts left, he didn't want to see the Chiefs get the ball back. That's, that is, that's an embarrassing, that's an embarrassing mindset. Like, you're in the Super Bowl, man. Like, that's your mindset? You're an offensive guy. You're an offensive guy. And you could say, well, he didn't believe in Jimmy Garoppolo. Well, at some point, and we, I even talked about this last week, you got to be realistic if you're San Fran. At some point, Garoppolo's going to have to make a couple plays in this game in big spots if you wanted to win. Like, that was the reality of it. And you know what? Garoppolo did make some plays in this game, and even that pass to Kittle was like, whoa. You know, that was a big play. It was offensive pass interference. I think it was a questionable call. Definitely a questionable call. But man, that mindset, if I'm criticizing San Francisco for anything today, it's the way that they decided to just, you know, chalk it up at the, at the end of the first half. And I couldn't believe it. And that's not the only time I questioned their clock management. I'm also questioning it late in the game on 4th and 10 at the 50-yard line. When the game's on the line. Game was on the line. This is So this is takeaway number four. When the game was on the line, they're down 24-20, fourth and 10 
at the 50-yard line. The final play possibly of the season. The game clock is, is you know, the, excuse me, the play clock's running down. Play clock gets to zero. They should have, they should have blown it dead as a delay of game. They should have. It should have been a delay of game. Which would have given San Francisco maybe, you know, an opportunity to not rush the play. But you got three timeouts left. Call a timeout. Instead, they were rushing it. This is the last play possibly of your season on fourth and 10 from the 50-yard line. Down four points. You need a touchdown. Right? In the final minute and a half of the game, like, what are you doing? You, you're not going to call a timeout. You, Jimmy Garoppolo is slapping his hands. You know, hut, 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 come on, come on. Hut the ball. You got to call a timeout. Like, and you don't even need Jimmy Garoppolo to call the timeout. He should have. But Shanahan's got to be on the sideline going, no, 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 hey, we're calling a timeout. We're not rushing this play. Why do you want to rush the last play of the season, possibly? Let's call a timeout. Let's talk this over. We got one play in our playbook. We know it works at practice. We love this play. It works in games. Let's go with this play. Instead, they rush the play. Garoppolo gets sacked, and your season's over. I mean, mind-blowing stuff, the way San Francisco handled this. And you expect that type of clock management out of Andy Reid. <laughs> Not Kyle Shanahan. So, if I'm criticizing the 49ers for anything today, it's the way they handled the end of the first half, and then the way they just, like, you, you, know, you would have thought they had no timeouts on that fourth down, fourth and ten. Call a timeout. Take it easy. Calm down. You, you needed some some type of clock awareness there. And th- you know what? There was clock. I shouldn't say that. There was clock awareness. They just, they weren't using their brains. Like, they didn't know how many timeouts they had. Like, come on now. Call a timeout. They didn't do it. They lose the game. And um, so if you're going to criticize San Fran for anything today, I know people criticize Jimmy G. Or maybe even the the game plan, thinking they, you know, that second down pass by Garoppolo on that three and out before Kansas City's go ahead touchdown drive to throw it on second down, eh? Questionable call, given what's been working for you, given what your mindset had been, which is like, let's not give the ball back to Kansas City, or if they do get it back, let's have as less time as possible, like. As, as little time as possible. So, I, I you, you question, I just think clock management. End of the first half, no urgency, no aggressiveness for the double whammy. Um, If I'm a 49ers fan today, that's going to haunt my dreams, that, that end of the first half of that game. You know, we experienced that with the Patriots at the end of the first half in Week 17. I can't imagine if the Patriots were going to do something like that in the Super Bowl. So, if that happened to the Patriots, if, if Belichick and the Patriots did that in a Super Bowl game, I mean, we were all over in Florida after the Miami game. But imagine them doing it in the Super Bowl? Like, th- but like that? with Like, that was... When it's 4th and 13 for Kansas City at the end of the first half, and and... Shanahan doesn't call a timeout. I'm going, what is he doing? They let it run all the way down to like 59 seconds before they let Kansas City punt. 
I don't, I don't get it. I don't understand it. And the only time they decided to then throw the football down the field, and it kind of worked for them outside of the offensive pass interference, was when Kansas City started using their timeouts. But, you know, it was that was a tough look for San Francisco. That was a tough look for Kyle Shanahan. And um, so, if, the, if you're going to criticize them for anything, that, that would be it. And so those are my top four takeaways. I told you I'd give you five. Number five. And people outside New England might not like this, but my number five takeaway out of my top five takeaways from Super Bowl 54 is that Tom Brady is returning to the New England Patriots next year. How about that, huh? We needed a Hulu commercial to let us know that Tom Brady is returning to the Patriots. Tom Brady teased an image on social media late last week, and it had me a little, little scared. I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. Like I was, I didn't know what, I didn't know what to think where Brady's like walking into a stadium, you know, a black and white photo. Um, was this him like walking onto Gillette stadium one last time and looking around and saying goodbye? Like (laughs) those are the thoughts that I had in my head. Um, but what it turned out to be was just an image from a commercial that Tom Brady had during the Super Bowl, and that commercial was for Hulu. Tom Brady, walking on the field at Gillette Stadium, was reminding us that, you know what, Hulu, yeah, they have live sports, but they also have live TV. It's not just sports, it's live TV. And at the end of that commercial, Tom Brady says, but me? I'm not going anywhere. That's his quote. He said, quote, but me, I'm not going anywhere. Now, you can read into that however you want. And I tweeted out during the halftime how I actually did feel about the possible message that Tom Brady was sending when he said that during the Hulu commercial. And after about a half hour thinking about that commercial, I came to the conclusion that there was a message from Tom Brady in that commercial that was more than just Hulu has live TV to go along with live sports. Hulu has live everything. There was more of a message than just promoting Hulu. Tom Brady could have promoted Hulu anywhere. Anywhere. Any field, any... They could have went down to a local park, a local football stadium, high school stadium. They could have... They could have promoted Hulu anywhere. He promoted Hulu in the middle of Gillette Stadium. And there was the aerial view. It was Gillette Stadium. You know, they couldn't they couldn't show the words Gillette Stadium, right? Because obviously two different companies, but you knew it was Gillette Stadium. They made it a purpose, the aerial shot, to show you that was Gillette Stadium. Brady on the field at Gillette Stadium says, but me, I'm not going anywhere. They could have filmed that anywhere. Brady filmed it at Gillette Stadium. For Brady to stand in the middle of Gillette Stadium during a Super Bowl commercial for the world to see and say, I'm not going anywhere, knowing he could have filmed that commercial anywhere, but but they chose Gillette Stadium. And don't tell me, well, that was Hulu's call. They wanted Gillette, and that was it. If Brady knew he was leaving, he could have said, eh, let's film it somewhere else. I'm not sure I'm going back to the Patriots. Like, I... And what, Hulu wouldn't have done the commercial with Brady? Please. 
please. If people bending over backwards to try to get Tom Brady to do a commercial for them for the Super Bowl. Brady, they chose to do that at Gillette Stadium. He sent that message at Gillette Stadium. You don't say that. But me, I'm not going anywhere in the middle of Gillette Stadium if you're actually leaving. So it did show me that he's staying. I, I do think there's a message there and all that. I think they, I think he's a creative guy. You see that on social media. I think he likes the, the drama on social media. He enjoys that. Is it the attention of it all? I, maybe. He's, tr- he's trolling us a little bit. Is this a troll job? He's not. Put it this way. Again, the setting tells me everything. For Brady to do this at Gillette Stadium, for him to do this at Gillette Stadium, it, it tells me that he's staying. For him to say those words at Gillette Stadium, with all this drama around where he's going to play next year. Brady is not an evil person. Like, (laughs) you're not going to say that at Gillette Stadium during a Super Bowl commercial and then go, yeah, you know what? I'm heading out to Vegas. It was nice knowing you guys. he's He's not that evil. He's not evil at all. If he was even a little evil, he's not, he couldn't be that evil. Right? So I do think there was a message there. And that's my number five takeaway. Tom Brady. Yeah, he's promoting Hulu. But the fact that he promoted Hulu at Gillette Stadium while telling the world on Super Bowl Sunday during a commercial that he's not going anywhere, that tells me there was some other type of message. And I also combine that, though, with the report earlier in the day from Ian Rappaport, NFL Network, that said the Patriots are willing to pay Tom Brady $30 million a year. That's what they're willing to pay him. And then also Brady, who has talked to the Patriots reportedly already, he just wants the Patriots to commit to adding weapons. Which, okay. You know, I I mean, we try to read into all this stuff with Brady, right? And I know I just did it with a Hulu commercial. And I get it. Some people might roll their eyes at that. Um, My stance, though, is that from day one, I never thought he was going to leave. Never thought he was going to leave. I still don't think he's going to leave. I just told you. I think he's staying. And I think there was a message in that Hulu commercial that tells me he is staying. But I take, I combine that with these reports. And I just think we need to simplify it all. Like, we get so worked up about all this stuff. We, we, we sensationalize all this. We, we overreact. But I, you know, and, and the one thing that people can't get out of their head is that Brady... There's a clause in the contract that said the Patriots couldn't franchise Brady. Why would Brady do that? Well, for one, a franchise is only one year. Maybe Brady wants some type of two, three-year deal. Not the one-year franchise tag. That's one reason. The other reason is Brady wants some type of leverage and some type of negotiation to get something that he wants. And if that franchise tag is an option for the Patriots, then Brady has no leverage. So you want the leverage. How do you get the leverage? You say, you can't franchise tag me. I'm going to tease free agency. I'm going to tease going to another team. Right? And that gives me an opportunity to work some type of magic in some type of public negotiation 
to get what I want. The question has been, what does Brady want from the Patriots? Is it $30 million a year? Well, what we found out yesterday from Ian Rappaport that if it is the money he wants, the Patriots will be willing to give it to him, reportedly. But then in the same report, it's like, well, Brady wants the Patriots to prioritize adding weapons around him. And so, when I, when I hear those reports, I think to myself, well, there's his leverage. That's what Brady wanted. To simplify this all, Brady wants the Patriots to take the last couple years of, of his time in New England, the last couple realistic years to win a Super Bowl, Brady wants Belichick and Kraft to get serious about the offensive weapons around him. All right? They don't want to rely on rookies. They don't want to rely on guys that you just picked up off the street. Brady, if they're going to do this, they're going to do it right. But the only thing that Brady can control is some type of negotiation where he has some leverage to maybe force the Patriots' hand to make some type of moves to add those offensive weapons to make sure that they do it right and and do it the way Brady wants to do it in the last couple years in which he realistically has a shot to win a Super Bowl with the New England Patriots. And the only way he can get that leverage and get what he wants is if he says, no franchise tag, I'm going to be a free agent, and we're going to negotiate that way. What we've learned is that the Patriots will pay him. That's a good thing. What we also learned is that Brady wants to, he wants the team to prioritize putting weapons around him. And I'm not talking about Ben Watson weapons. I'm, right? I'm, I'm not talking about uh, Philip Dorsett weapons. I'm not even talking about Danny Amendola weapons. I'm talking about trade for Stefan Diggs weapons, right? I mean, that, that's, what we're, that's what we're getting into right now. Those are the type of conversations I think Brady wants the Patriots to start having internally. And so, when I see this Hulu commercial, I combine it with the reports from early in the day. I come away from it all going, there was a message in that Hulu commercial. The fact that he's at Gillette Stadium tells me there was a message. Um, and then, of course, the reports from Ian Rappaport. Tom Brady's not going anywhere. I've been telling you that since day one. You could try to talk about the properties that he's buying, where his kids are going to school. I mean, the reality of it is, uh, Brady has you know, TB12, just opened a new pl- a new TB12 center in Boston, downtown. I don't know. I still think he has some type of property in the Boston area that we don't know about. You know that? Like, I, I, I do. I believe that. I believe he has some type of property in the Boston area that we do not know about. Some type of nice, luxurious condo somewhere. Like, I, I, they have that place, place to crash if they're ever in the city. If they're ever in a situation, like, I, I'm telling you. I just think Brady's not going anywhere. He's staying with the New England Patriots. Is that to say that the rumors are not going to continue? No, there'll be some stuff. Because, again, Brady might, Brady's playing the game. People will buy into it. Schefter will have to report it. But at the end of the day, Brady's going to come back to the New England Patriots, and next year they're going to be battling with the Kansas City Chiefs to see who gets back to the Super Bowl. That's the way this thing's going to work. 
I'm watching this game last night, though, going, you know, as tough as that Patriots loss to the Titans was, as tough as that Week 17 loss to Miami was, as tough of a season that was and turned out to be, like, I'm watching this game last night going, the the Patriots could have beat both of these teams. Both of these teams. That, the Patriots team this year could have beaten both of these teams. I think the Patriots defense could have come up with a, a stop at the end that San Francisco couldn't come up with after Garoppolo went three and out. And I think that the Patriots offense, you know, against San Fr- if they were playing San Francisco's defense, I think Tom Brady could have been a little better maybe in, a fir- in the first half than Patrick Mahomes was. So I'm watching this game thinking the Patriots could have beat either of these two teams. And I think Tom Brady has to watch that and know that too. Like, like I think people forget that what Tom Brady wants more than anything is to win. He wants to win. And the best place for him to have a chance to win next season is the New England Patriots. And so that's my number five takeaway. Tom Brady is returning to New England. I know that's just my opinion, but I think it's an informed opinion based on everything we know and have heard. And yeah, even what we saw from a Hulu commercial during Super Bowl Sunday. The commercials. Do you like them? Best one. Um, I really enjoyed the one they opened the Super Bowl with, with the kids running on the field. I thought maybe that was the best commercial. Does that even count as a commercial? I don't know. I'm going to count it as one. I think it was the best one. We'll call it an NFL commercial. I thought it was the best one. Uh, I didn't get too many laughs. I'm trying to think. I really did enjoy the... What was, um, I'm trying to think now. I forget, I forget the commercials I liked. Um, I'm trying to think. I'm, pl- I'm drawing a blank. I'm drawing a huge blank on the commercials that I liked. But it, it, they were all right. Nothing really stole the show. I, I, again, I think the best one was the NFL one at the beginning. Maybe the, what was it? A, was it a Bud Light one? The, the Post Malone? Was that Bud Light? I guess like I remember getting a good laugh out of that one. Where he's being controlled, you know, he's like a robot, somebody's controlling him. And he's smashing in and the chips are going everywhere. Is that Bud Light? Yeah. Uh the the groundhog day one? What was that for? What company was that for? That was a car company. Was it Jeep? You know, they like to get creative. Aria stock. From Game of Thrones. Arya is okay. She is alive and well. She has her driver's license now. She's learned how to drive. She has moved on from horseback to a a luxurious vehicle. (laughs) Uh, Arya, good to know she is alive and well. But I, I, I was disappointed with the Super Bowl celebration on Fox. I have to say that. I, you know what they didn't do, or at least maybe I missed it, but I don't think they did. And what I've enjoyed the last couple years, I've enjoyed when they take the Lombardi Trophy and somebody walks it up to the podium. 
and the team's standing around, and as they're walking by, everyone's touching it. They're playing that dramatic music. I like that. That's cool. That is a build-up type of moment for the trophy celebration, which was kind of blah last night. Like, they didn't, they, they probably only spent, what, like a minute on that trophy celebration? It's got to be longer than that. It's about the Lombardi trophy. You got to hoist that thing up. Maybe I missed the guy walking up to the stage with it. Or maybe Fox missed it, but I didn't see it. I thought that was a pretty, that's a pretty cool thing they they do. Or they've done the last couple years. And they didn't do that this year. Which was disappointing to see. Um, But that was the Super Bowl. And now we move on to the XFL. Are you going to watch the XFL? I'll tune in on Saturday. I'll watch on Saturday. I, I honestly have no idea if I will be invested in the XFL past Saturday. I don't know. Like, how many people are going to be in the stands? Are these guys going to be any good? Are the rules, which some rules are different, are they crazy enough to get my attention while also keeping things or preventing things from becoming a circus? And what I'll be curious to see is if the major networks... out what is XFL on Fox? Is that what it's on? Yeah, because it was an XFL commercial. With the NFL guys. Like, so so I think the second time around, I think Vince McMahon is... He's going less WWE and more football, right? Where the first time he, like, went... He took his WWE people and, and brought them into the game. Like, that's... He wanted the extreme... Like, Jim Ross and Jerry Lawler, I think, were doing commentary on one of the games. That's not what we're going to get this time around. I'll be curious to know, though, if, like, SportsCenter does anything with XFL games. Like, do they do pregame shows on other channels for it? Postgame shows? Like, will Scott Van Pelt get into XFL stuff? I don't know. That's what it's going to take for XFL to take off. They're going to need the major networks outside of just in-game coverage. They're going to need them and even websites to, like, have beat writers. And I just don't know that they're going to do it. Because I don't know if you can monetize it. I don't know. Like, I'm footballed out, I think. I think I'm all footballed out after the Super Bowl. We get so jacked up for the Super Bowl that I think I'm footballed out. Do I want to jump right back into it? Especially jump right back into it with, with guys that I don't know. Teams that I don't care about. Rules that maybe I don't understand. I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. But I can't promise you much. I can't. Um, because right now I, I'm I'm a little footballed up. Football is over. The NFL is over, at least. And uh, now we get on to spring training. Like I said, to open the show, it is truck day today. As the Red Sox truck will take the equipment from Fenway to Fort Myers, and Mookie Betts might be traded to the Dodgers before the truck even gets to Florida. Reports today say that the Dodgers want the Red Sox to eat some of David Price's salary. So it's going to be Mookie Betts and David Price going to the Dodgers. Red Sox are going to get prospects, maybe a roster player. I don't know. But it just seems like such an easy way out for the Red Sox. Like, they already got the word out that they made him the $300 million offer. 
They get the word out that Mookie counted with $420 million, And like I told you last week, that's just not realistic. You cannot... You cannot... I, I like Mookie Betts a lot, but you can't pay him $420 mil. I'm sorry. You can't do it. Um... So you got that word out. You got a, you got some people going, like I'm saying, going, hey, look, good for Mookie go get, for going to get the money. It's a crazy number he wants. If he can get it, all power to him. But I guess it's inevitable that you trade him. But under that mindset of being inevitable that you're going to trade Mookie Betts, I want the Red Sox to take another step. I don't want them just saying, it's inevitable. Let's get a team that's going to take him, maybe take Price's salary, and we'll get some prospects in return. You brought Hyam Bloom in and you said, we want to get more creative. Well, get this is your opportunity to do that. If you just send Mookie Betts and David Price to the Dodgers for prospects, is that creative? You know, not for nothing. But if I was the Red Sox GM, and I know I go over this all the time, like I know I say like I should be the Red Sox GM and they should let me make moves. I get it. Some people might roll their eyes at that. I mean, I, I I am kind of dead serious with that. But anyways, the point is, I've never spent a single minute working for a Major League Baseball organization in a front office. And yet, if you placed me in that position today, given what you've told me, I know everything about Mookie Betts, what we've offered, what he wants, what teams are interested, what they're willing to give up. I could make that trade. The trade that the Red Sox are trying to do, are going to make with the Dodgers, like, I could make this trade. You, listening, either on your phone, at work, in your car, to this show right now. You, having spent not a single day working for a Major League Baseball team in the front office, you could make this trade. This is not a difficult trade. This is not getting creative. This is simply sitting back going... Well, we got to do something. Here's a team that's available that wants to talk to us about Mookie Betts. A team that, you know, is interested. Let's do it. Let's get some prospects. Like, you don't have to be a good GM to make that move. I'm not trying to knock Kyle Bloom. I mean, he, he might end up being a really good GM in this town. Or a chief baseball officer. Whatever, he, whatever they want to call him. But not for nothing, I, I could make this trade. Me. I could make this. You might roll your eyes saying, Danny, you're never going to be the Red Sox GM. Stop trying to be the Red Sox GM. Well, guess what? If I was the GM, I would be able to make a Mookie Betts trade to the Dodgers for prospects. Like, I could make that happen. I don't need to have any history in the game to make that trade go down. So, knowing that, that's not really the move I want to see the Red Sox make. I want them to get more creative. Put your foot down. Because the report today is that the Dodgers now want the Red Sox to eat some of David Price's salary. So then what I would do is I'd say, okay, everybody wants us to do. Everybody wants this, that, the other thing from us. What are we getting out of it? So you know what we're going to do? We'll eat some of David Price's salary. But guess what you're going to do? You're going to help us get Nolan Arenado from the Colorado Rockies in a three-team deal. That's getting creative. That's going above and beyond knowing that you're losing a superstar player. Knowing that it's inevitable you're going to lose him because you're not going to pay him a ridiculous $420 million. 
So don't just see that inevitability. Is that a word? I just made it one. Inevitability. Don't just see that. And just, you know, send them somewhere for prospects. Get creative. Do something that the rest of us sitting at home couldn't do. Add a third team. Get the Rockies involved. And and bring something in other than prospects. It doesn't sound like the Red Sox are going to do that. I, I just told you, and I went on the rant last, last week with Nolan Arenado. I just think it makes too much sense. Arenado wants out of Colorado. And I know you can say, well, Devin's a third baseman. Well, you can make him the DH. J.D. Martinez, put him in the outfield. I know last week I said, put J.D. in right. You know, that's the position he plays, but put J.D. in left. And could Ben Attendee play right? Why not? I mean, let's not... I know we like to say a right field at Fenway, but let's not make it out to be something that it's not. I mean, these guys have, have cheat sheets in their hats with scouting reports where most of the time they're strategically placed in the right spot Anyways, and if they're not, it's in the gap. It's a double. Like, let's not make playing right field at Fenway sound like the most impossible thing in the history of sports. But my point is, you could still acquire someone like Nolan Arenado to play third base and make a move to to put Devers at the DH position. You know, Devers might end up at some point being a first baseman anyways. I hate to break it to you. Like, he might end up being playing first base. Obviously, the Red Sox bring back Mitch Moreland, which kind of seemed obvious. You know, once again, that's the that's the move they announced. Um, but yeah, in two years from now, Dev is going to be a first baseman, maybe. I right? Is he just going to remain at third? I don't know. I don't know that he he doesn't he doesn't jump out to me as a third baseman. So that's why you bring in Nolan Arenado. Devers can play first. He can be the DH. Like you have, you have options. If you have to give up Mookie Betts, you have options. My advice to the Red Sox is just don't just settle here for the only for the first option that you get and say this is the only one. Mookie, we got to trade him. Dodgers want him, so we'll send him to LA for prospects. Try to get creative. Try to try to do something else. You know, Dodgers are going to try to bitch you around and say, no, you're going to pay Price's salary if you're going to add Price to this deal. And I get it. You want to free up some salary, and I'm just fine with trading Price and freeing up salary that, freeing up salary that way. But if they're going to put their foot down and bitch you around and say, we want you to eat Price's, some of Price's salary, then you say, well, we're not going to do that unless we get something else from you. And that something else doesn't need to come from the Dodgers organization. It could come in the form of, let's get Colorado involved. And the prospects that you were going to give us, you're going to give to them. So we want you to talk to Colorado about what prospect they, an extra prospect that they might want. If we're going to pay some money for Price's salary, you take an extra prospect and you give them to Colorado. And you give all those prospects to Colorado and we and help us get Nolan Arenado. Make the type of move that the rest of us couldn't make. Get creative in a way that you said Dave Dombrowski couldn't get creative. That's why you said you got rid of him. I mean, it doesn't sound like they're going to do that. So there is obviously some frustration there. And we don't begin the season in 2020 
all excited about the Boston Red Sox. But, um, look, I would love for breaking news to be that the Red Sox just got involved. And, and who knows? I mean, maybe they will, maybe they will get Arenado. I don't know. Maybe they will. Let's see. <laughs> may, may, I know people in the Red Sox organization listen to the show. I'm not saying that I influence them to make certain moves. But sometimes you just need the idea. I would hope that they'd be able to come up with this idea on their own. But if they, if they don't, if they can't, if they didn't, well, maybe this is their opportunity to come up with it. After listening to me talk about it. So, um, we'll keep an eye on it. I mean, if I had to put money on it, I'm back here on Thursday. If I had to put money on it, I think that Thursday's show will, I'll probably be reacting to a Mookie Betts trade. I think it's probably going to happen the next couple days. Based on things I've read on Twitter this morning, as I'm in here on Monday, February 3rd, I, I think that the next show, the next time you hear from me on Thursday on this podcast is going to be a reaction to a Mookie Betts trade and a reaction to what the Red Sox got in return. I will hope that they get more creative and as creative as I just told you, but I have my doubts. I have my doubts. Get this show whenever you want at dannypicard.com, also on iTunes, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, anywhere podcasts are available. Subscribe to my YouTube channel. We post highlights of this show, youtube.com slash Picard. Follow me on social media at Picard. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week. Like I said, I'll keep my eye on these Mookie Betts rumors. We'll keep our eye on the Tom Brady rumors, but I already told you, I think he is going to come back. And uh, anything else that breaks in the sports world, I will react to it on a Thursday. I'm out. Talk to you then. <laughs>